Good morning, Faith United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you this morning. And for those of you who do not know me, um, I am Larry Thompson, the Associate Pastor of Faith United Methodist Church. I'm uh, retired and working on staff part-time. It's good to be with you, as I was saying, and I look forward to being physically present at the church sometime in the future. I think it's gonna be a while, but we will get there because we must have faith in the future. In 1838, a man resigned from the United States Patent Office because he said in his letter of resignation, there's no future in the Patent Office. All the great inventions have been accomplished. As you know, this person did not have faith in the future. Since that time, we have discovered a number of inventions, including the steam engine, the jet propulsion engine, the telephone, the radio, the television, miracle drugs, atomic power, and the computer chip, just to name a few. Unfortunately, this man was content with the gaslight era and wrapped up his mind in a neat little package and blissfully walked off into oblivion. Many a business, industry, and institution has died a premature death, content with their own self-image, lacking desire, concern, initiative, satisfied only with the status quo, they perish because they wanted to stay put. They had no faith in the possibilities of the future. Our scripture lesson from the book of Jeremiah also points to faith in the future. The 15th verse of the 32nd chapter states, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. Now the background of this verse is important. It was a time of chaos and confusion in the ancient world. The army of Babylon flattened nations as a bulldozer can flatten a flower garden. Judah and Jerusalem lay directly in its path their only hope being a peaceful and honorable surrender. For the sake of their survival as a nation, the prophet Jeremiah counseled a policy of surrender to their enemy. Refusing to look at reality, their leaders denounced Jeremiah as a traitor and they cast him in prison. One day, Jeremiah had a visitor, his cousin Hanamel, who came not to comfort him, but to make an outlandish proposition. In the village of Anioth, Hanamel owned a piece of property, which had been in his family for 400 years. The property he now proposed to sell him with the whole country about to fall into enemy hands, nothing was quite so worthless as real estate. Yet the absurd, brave humor of it all, 
is that Jeremiah took him up on his ridiculous offer. He knew that the land would soon be conquered and that the people would be carried away into exile. And he knew that even if he survived prison, he might be among the exiles never to see that property he had just purchased. At the same time, he saw something else. With his prophetic vision and trust in the goodness of God, he looked beyond the immediate calamity with faith to a distant day when the political situation would change and the people of Israel would be allowed to return to their own nation. He wanted to show that vision of hope with his dispirited countrymen. And that's why he purchased this piece of property about to be annexed by the, the country's enemies. It was designed to put faith into their fainting hearts. Jeremiah was a person who faced the future with faith. Like Jeremiah, we too have to have faith. We must have faith in the future simply because we have never been there before and neither has anyone else. The future is unexplored territory. It may be a land flowing with milk and honey. It may be a wilderness. One thing is certain, we have to face the future. We have to face it with faith, our only psychological equipment, or we will not get there at all. We also know that we don't face it alone. We face it with each other and with God, our salvation, in whom we find our strength. Today, we are struggling with the COVID-19 crisis. And not only our, our own country is struggling with this, but the whole world. One of the things that I worry about is that our country might open up too fast. I am a member of the Freeport Rotary Club here in Freeport, and we had a Zoom meeting recently, and the administrator of the Stevenson County Health Department told us that most deaths happen with people that are 50 years of age and older, with the mortality rate with this group between 15 and 19 percent. That is quite high. As an old guy of 73 years of age, that concerns me. Though some of you have said that 73 years of age is quite young. Well, in some ways, I guess it's a matter of perspective. Yet many of us are at high risk because of our age and or our own medical preconditions. During this terrible pandemic, therefore, please listen to the medical professionals and keep social distancing and wearing masks if you go out into the public. And if you don't have a mask, please call our church office and we will see that you get one. 
It troubles me that there are some people and politicians who are not taking this crisis seriously enough. We have also seen on our television screens a number of people out protesting, wanting government officials to open up all commerce. I hope decisions are made using medical criteria rather than political ones. It disheartens me, as I know it does all of you, to see the deaths happening during this pandemic. At some point in the future, there will be a medication to cure it, and there will be a vaccine to prevent infections. But that probably is a year or more away. We have to have faith in that. Here is an intriguing question for you. When this crisis is over, will we have learned from it? Sometimes good can come out of evil. One of the good things we can learn from this is the emphasis again that we are one world. We are all in this together. The coronavirus makes no distinction as to race, nationality, religion, or social class. What happens or does not happen in one part of the world infects all of us, affects all of us. We need, therefore, to think globally, not just what benefits our own country and us. This includes meeting, I believe, our financial responsibilities in full to the United Nations, which is a great organization carrying on humanitarian work globally. This pandemic clearly shows us that we humans are responsible for pollution. Have you seen reports that the earth cleans itself in this crisis? As people of the globe stay home to stop the spread of the virus, the air is cleaned temporarily. Wildlife have a new lease on life, and people in some places can even see distant mountains that they had not been able to see before because the air has been cleaned. On this 50th anniversary of Earth Day, Will our government leaders wake up to the fact that climate change is real, that humans cause, cause it, and will we find some kind of new, new, great new deal that we can support? This pandemic has also shown to us the tragedy of inequality in the health care of our country. In 2018, 28 million Americans still had no health insurance. I believe our country can do better in making health care available to all. After all, one of Jesus' most important ministries was going about healing the sick regardless of race, class, income, or social status. 
As Christians, we must regard the future as our friend and not our enemy. And we need to work to make the future better. Rodney Stark, the author of the book Rise of Christianity, tracked the conversion rate and argues in his book that the spread of Christianity in the early centuries was largely due to the care and compassion that Christians showed to the poor and the sick during different plagues and epidemics in that day. I am glad that our church is doing so with such things as generous offerings of food and money for the FACC, the Freeport Area Church Cooperative. My heart was gladdened last Sunday when Pastor Melissa showed us the food that had been collected and told us about the money that had been donated as well. As Christians, we must regard the future as our friend and not our enemy. To do so, we must face the future with faith. Such faith does not always come easily. We see its depths and daring only when we see the total tragedy of Jeremiah's situation. It was not just the old story of military defeat. Behind it lay the apparent failure of God's experiment with his people Israel. It seemed such a colossal and catastrophic waste. That was the real tragedy of Jeremiah's day. And that's a real tragedy in our own day. It comes into focus as we think of the church's mission and witness in the wider world where there's a growing nationalism at the expense of internationalism. We as a part of God's creation are all in this together. We need to care for the whole world for whom Christ died and rose again. Thank God that Jeremiah's faith was vindicated. After 70 years of exile, the Jews were released from Babylon and allowed to return and rebuild their shattered country. The prophecy was fulfilled. Houses and fields and vineyards were again bought in the land. To that brave and stubborn faith, Jeremiah challenges our generation. The real heroes in our day are the healthcare workers and other essential workers who put their lives at risk for the sake of others. There are many people in America and in all the other communities of the world who are true humanitarians in the service of humankind. We should hold them dear. Their efforts and sacrifice should help us to face the future with faith. In 1816, Lord Byron wrote a narrative poem that has become a classic. The poem is entitled, The Prisoner of Kion. 
and it is the story of a man incarcerated in the dungeon of the castle of Kion in Lake Geneva, Switzerland. The prisoner was in a narrow, cramped dungeon cell for such a long time that he began to think of it as home. He made friends with the spiders and the insects and mice that shared his cell. They were all inmates in the same dungeon, and he was the monarch of each race. The years in a dark dungeon cell had taken their toll. He was to be no longer unhappy or uncomfortable. He had grown accustomed to his environment and came to think of his chains as friends. One day, however, a bird perched on the crevice of a ledge uh, above and began to sing. It was the sweetest music that he'd ever heard. Suddenly, the desire to see the outside world overwhelmed him. He grabbed the walls of a cell and began climbing and struggling up the wall so that he could look out of the little window. In that moment, he saw a world that he had forgotten. There was a crystal blue lake and some tall green trees and the beautiful little white cottage that he called home nestled among the green hills and an eagle soaring majestically across a blue sky. He saw them all for one magnificent moment and then he fell back into his cell. But the dungeon cell was no longer home. For one fleeting moment, he had seen a home that lay beyond the tiny cramped cell of the dungeon. He had seen a vision of a world beyond and hope eternal towered over his despair. We too have seen a vision beyond our present existence as Christians, we are to learn from this terrible pandemic and work to make this an even better world when this present crisis has passed. We are even pilgrims of the future because our faith enables us to catch a glimpse of an everlasting kingdom which lies even beyond this world. As Henry... Harry Emerson Fosdick once said, Fear imprisons, faith liberates. Fear paralyzes, faith empowers. Fear disheartens, faith encourages. Fear sickens, faith heals. Fear makes useless, faith makes serviceable. And most of all, fear puts hopelessness at the heart of life while faith rejoices in its God. May it be so with each and every one of us. Amen.